0: Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. Our goal is simple. We want to challenge you to think differently about finance and business. Join us and start the journey today.
1: Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your hosts, Tim Bickmore, Nathaniel Leach, and Dan Weiss. And today we have a guest on, Lance Rates, who is the owner and founder of Yola's Cafe. Um, as many of our listeners know, we work with a lot of medium and small businesses within our, within our business, but we also know a lot of different business owners as well. We felt like it was uh, a fortune to, to kind of listen to Lance go back and forth through email with Dan to hear about the, the struggles restaurant owners are currently having due to COVID-19. Um, so we're really excited to have Lance on, on our podcast today. And I'm going to kick this over to Dan to get us started off to talk a little bit about how he knows Lance, get our podcast going. Dan?
2: Lance, thanks for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, you and I get to talk every once in a while in a group that we are involved in called Madison Originals, which is based out of, out of Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and it's a group of, uh, a number of locally founded, owned restaurants that, uh, collaborate together to make a better experience for the community. And in that, in that group, um, I've had the pleasure of hearing your perspective Lance as it relates to what it's what covid has been like directly from a business owner of a restaurant of uh, purview and uh and we know that you opened up now i think today marks a week since you reopened mm-hmm. up uh, Yola's and i'm sure that there have been some trials and tribulations in doing so and uh we might as well just start kind of learning about how that has been so uh i guess
3: first question is, Lance, how are you doing? Yeah, Um, to be honest, we were, when this whole thing started off, we were on spring break vacation in Charleston, South Carolina, and we were hearing about it here and there, and going to different restaurants, we were seeing different things being implemented, and then we started fielding calls from our team back here in Madison, and we we just, we thought that, probably like a lot of people, that it was going to be something that would blow over and not cause too much disruption, but we were wrong as we quickly saw, you know, major, major industries like football and baseball and basketball and all those different industries begin to cancel. And then um, our kids finding out that they were going to come back to distance learning. And that's when I think it really sunk in. We got back, um, we were living on adrenaline and hardly sleeping at all. We were reaching out to our vendors we were switching things up. We were, you know, watching the public health web, a website like crazy, talking to restaurant consultants, food suppliers, and just wondering, you know, what the future is going to hold. We gathered our team together and asked them, you know, we're not going to be able to keep all of you on. And so they said, well, make sure to take care of those who are living paycheck by paycheck. So we, we did that for the first couple of weeks. And um, I would just say overall up to today and opening up recently is that I think within the last week, we've really begun to recognize this is going to be a long, long game and we're going to have to get deliberate about how we're going to operate going forward and what the next phases are going to be and what our new normal is.
1: Lant, uh, you know, and I, I don't know as of being a restaurant owner, I mean, being business owners ourselves, it's been difficult with COVID, and, and we're lucky enough to be able to operate 100% from our homes, no problem. Um, yeah. We are also lucky enough to sit on a, a Madison Originals board and know other restaurateurs. and we recognize that restaurants have small margins. So with cutting back on um, individuals coming into your space, how, how how are you guys dealing with that? Um, and then in addition, how have you felt the stimulus packages for restaurateurs specifically has been? Um, in response to
3: COVID. Yeah, the, the margins on um, restaurants are small, very thin. They, they call it the magic nickel because really after you take care of all your expenses, labor, rent, um, merchant processing, insurance, all those things, you're left with a, about a nickel of every dollar. And right now that nickel is being ate up with PPE, the personal protective equipment that we're required to provide, to use, um, all the to go packaging from pivoting to curbside delivery and pickup. So people are getting to go stuff. And so without raising our prices, um, you know, it's just coming out of that thin margin that we have left. So in regards to the PPP loan, we were fortunately, um, able to get in on the first round, which expires after this next pay period. So in about an, another two weeks, I just found out on May 29th that the House of Representatives passed a bill that would extend that further and allow for it to be used. Um, right now it's set up to be used for 75% for to bring employees back, but they're looking at changing that to 60% to allow more of that money to be extended out and go th- go towards things like our. Our rent and mortgage and utilities. So we're hoping that the Senate will pass that before the Senate right now. Um, So yes, that has been very helpful in helping us bring back some employees. Um, But even in that, we can talk further, but it's a struggle because it helps pay the employees, but it doesn't go towards supplies. It doesn't really help us as owners, you know, with our own Salaries and, and different things like that. So, it's been a, a real struggle. And then on top of that, they've offered um, six hundred dollars extra kicker for unemployment. So there's really not that much motivation on the employees' part to, you know, stay and and work when they can make more money being on unemployment. So,
2: since the the reopening process itself is set in stages, and to say the least, it's complicated um can you talk a little bit about what that what that realistically one thing on paper what it realistically actually means to a restaurant owner like you
3: yeah it, it means a lot of I mean the paperwork right now and the behind the scenes work that nobody sees is so real to the business owner um for some people they're like this is a great time to pause and rest and I think for our industry, and I know other industries as well, they're working harder than ever before for less in return. And so, I mean, we're creating new policies. We're asking questions. We're trying to make sense of all the things that are coming out. We, we're encouraged to wear masks, and how does that work? How do you do dishes with a mask on, and and not, you know, not keep the the back spray from getting all over you how do you talk to customers? I mean, we're in a, a coffee shop, you know, we're highly social environment. And so to tell people that you have to wear a mask and you can only take it off to eat. And then you have to do all these different things. It's just, it's hard and it's scary. I think a lot of people are just scared. So fortunately for us, we have an outdoor patio that seats quite a few people. Um, but that's dependent upon nice weather days. So We've had a couple rainy days that set us back, but we are seeing an uptick in people coming out. And as far as coffee shops and restaurants in general, to keep the price down, you have, you have to operate in small spaces. And so 25% of our space, our, our crowd capacity is um, 76 people. So that means around 19. If you take away four employees that we must have on. That only leaves us with fifteen seats left in the cafe.
2: And what? And what's it? What's it been like then? This first week, you've had you've had well, you're closed on Sundays, if I recall
3: correctly. So you've had six days then. Mm-hmm. We've had six days. Uh, the first day was the day after uh, Memorial Day weekend, and so you know that was a quiet day. That's a historically quiet day. So it was really, I would say, every Monday we're really close to to call in a, a local psychiatrist and asking for some concert just to be honest um we kind of cheerlead our each other through that day because Mondays are just tough it's the weekend and people spent a lot of money eating out and different things like that especially with Memorial Day um so you know they have leftovers and, and and the like and so Monday was really like wow we were expecting like or Tuesday we were expecting a big bang and it just didn't materialize and then Wednesday, I think there was rain. And so it was like another bad day. And then Thursday, we saw probably double the sales of the, you know, the last several weeks. And so we were encouraged. Friday was even better. And then Saturday, um, we were at about half of what our uh, previous sales or 60% of our sales historically. So that's been really encouraging. People are coming back. They're, they're excited that we're open. Um There are still people doing the curbside delivery, no contact. And we're thankful for that. The other thing that a lot of people don't know or realize is that we purchased a catering commissary kitchen in November because our catering business was about 30% of our annual income. And that has dried up as you can't do any self-serve types of options. So other than serving our health, healthcare workers, And doing like a small wedding for 25 people, that is basically, it's sad with our kitchen is just sitting there empty. Um, Our coolers are empty. It's not being used right now. And it's a new mortgage that we have to pay all the same bills.
1: Lance, when do you think, like buffets, I believe, right, when it comes to that type of service, when do you think that's going to come back? I mean, are you talking 12, 24 months? Do you think that's just... Not going to come back in, in any time in the near future. Is it just too unknown? I think it'll be at least
3: 12 months, if not longer. I think the buffet aspect and the self service is going to be dependent upon a vaccine. And if what we're hearing from the science community, it's going to be a while. So 12 months would not be be crazy as far as the timeline. I think that'd be pretty realistic. So think, you know, right now we're trying to think, how can we pivot? And do things different to bring in income. Fortunately, there are a lot of people today that aren't cooking, um, or don't have experience with cooking at home. And so they depend upon takeout or take and reheat type meals. So that's something that we're thinking about doing because we're, we've done that. We've been experimenting that with that during the period when we were closed by offering some take home meals um,
1: menu. And how do you feel that the pivot's going to go? I mean, have you seen a good demand for it? Are the margins similar to your in-house restaurant? You know, is it sustainable, I guess, is really what I'm asking.
3: Is it sustainable? I think what we'll have to get the cafe back closer, um, if not normal, be close to normal to be able to really fully implement that and make it. And, And that's the thing. I think a lot of owners right now are, you know, they're not... As long as they can, they're not focusing in on their salaries and making sure that their vendors and their employees are being paid. So, and they're just sucking it up and working the extra hours. It's kind of like you have a stake in the ground, so you have to make it work. To make it sustainable, all the testing and experimenting is going to come out of extra hours on our part, uh, my wife and I and family. So I think that's what we're seeing across the board is that the owners are really, Yeah, they're probably not doing the best at self-care right now. They're working those extra hours just trying to survive and keep their doors open.
2: On that topic, you know, as eaters, what should we expect to see perhaps different from our feeders? Sure operations, obviously, as we talked about, are going to look a little bit different going forward. Curious as to what you think that could look like, what the end result is going to be towards you. Uh, other people on your team, employees, and then, of course, towards your customers. I, I know, for example, we've talked a lot about how prior to COVID, um, the restaurant industry was experiencing a significant labor shortage. No you know, that's going to look different. So what, what yeah. do you think maybe can some expectations be anticipated to look
3: like? Yeah, I mean, we're starting to uh, – I wish we had the demand for work that we – Needed before COVID because we've had people reaching out and I think it's just because we're two in summer and there's kids aren't in school or they had to come back early. So they're trying to find employment. So yeah, I think what you're going to notice going forward is that you're going to have to like plan for your, that you're not going to be able to spend as much time in the restaurant. It's going to be important for the restaurant to what we call an in industry, flip those tables. And so for us, we're asking our customers to be. Um, aware that you know they can't just stay on the computer, and that's what a lot of people have used the coffee shops for in the past is to search and do work on the computers. and with us being limited right now, at least in this first couple phases, it's going to be important that they limit limit that. Um, they should be cognizant that there's people there that are wearing masks, and if maybe they don't feel like they need to or should, you know they really have we really have to look out for one another right now and not judge each other and give a lot of grace to the restaurant. The restaurant owners and staff are adapting the best that they can. And so it's really not a time to take to social media or um, to the Yelp and the TripAdvisor Google platforms and leave bad reviews because we need to really give grace to the restaurant owners right now. I think another thing that you could see will be there's a supply chain shortage. Our like for example, our bacon is through the roof right now. And that's something that we pride ourselves on having all natural good thick cut bacon um, locally um, provided through Jones Farms. And that's through the roof right now. There's shortages in the meat market. Our deli meats are up. Our coffee supply, there's shortages there. So you're probably gonna be an increase in Fees, we, we've, we've kept everything the same at Yola's, but, um, you know, our costs are up as far as those trying to cover those shortage, you know, those higher expenses on those items, plus all, all the takeout stuff that I've mentioned already. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see surcharges or people adding a dollar to, to entrees. Um, so you'll, you'll probably notice that when you check out maybe having to call ahead and make reservations to be able to dine is going to be important to you in the future, especially for the upper scale restaurants.
4: And and that, that all makes sense. Um, w- with regards to that kitchen that you guys recently bought, but are you familiar with the concept of what's called either a dark or cloud or ghost kitchen? Ghost kitchen, yeah. Okay. Uh, would that possibly be something that would work where you could speak to and maybe this is the time to really that this idea might take off because if other restaurant owners are looking to do that to shift just to a complete hundred percent takeout model then offering up that kitchen sharing that that mortgage slash rent or however you would want to structure it load Mm -hmm. is that been is that a possibility Perhaps, Lance, you can talk about what a ghost
2: kitchen looks like, actually. I don't think a lot of our audience probably is familiar with the term. Okay.
3: Yes. So a ghost kitchen is a kitchen in a less desirable or, shall I say, a less visual location. So it could be like a warehouse or what I call it, like a commercial condo that's been renovated. Like in our case, Um, we've taken a commercial condo. And renovated it less costly. It's not open to the public per se. It doesn't have seating. So you don't have all the, all the costs that go involved involved in servers and seating and taking care of people. It's just a kitchen that's used to make food out of Um, some of the ghost kitchens. There it could be a multiple number of restaurant type styles and food that come out of those kitchens. It could be like a cafe during the day. Per se, and maybe a pizza shop at night. One company, a delivery company called DoorDash has bought up, you know, some abandoned buildings and have built out ghost kitchens, blackened, darkened the windows and have, because they're, they're aggregating all this great content of what people are looking for and cuisine. So they know what's popular and what's um, being requested. And so they're, you know, building restaurants and um, ghost kitchens to provide those types of foods at those different times. So yes, we've thought about it. Um, The thing right now is just having the money to experiment um, on those different concepts. The one thing that the PPP didn't allow for um, restaurant owners or take into consideration because when it was thought about to get the money out there was how can we do something to span all the industries and get it out the quickest, and so they quickly did it and didn't think about how integral um, it was going to ha- you know going to be for each industry to do things a little bit differently with that money. And one of those things was a lot of restaurants weren't set up for takeout or delivery. Um, their food wasn't going to be able to withstand hold up to delivery. And the relation to the ghost Kitchen is that the PPP didn't doesn't allow for us to experiment with marketing and those different things.
4: The only thing that I was going to add is that groups like Madison Originals or Food Fight getting together and and pooling resources to experiment. Understanding that all of you are in the same boat now to create a cloud kitchen. This, this is the time to, to do it. In my opinion, because of the the current circumstances. No, I've, I've heard of ghost
3: kitchens along probably about two years ago. You know something that was happening, you know, in other countries like Amsterdam um, have done a lot with ghost kitchens. Other major cities, and then like like I said, a lot of these delivery companies like DoorDash, Grubhub, and stuff have started experimenting with it. And yes, it makes a lot of sense to team up. I I've thought about that. Like I really think a lot of Parthenon euros, and they become good friends, um, and they're part of Madison Originals and. Aaron and Dimitri make their own yogurt sauce and they have a nice large space, but their kitchen is very small. And so, you know, we've talked about potentially, you know, they've been looking for a space to be able to scale their their yogurt making. And so, yes, this is something definitely to look at down the road. One of the things for us that is a part of our lease agreement is that we wouldn't have um, other renters. So that's something I would have to go back to the condo association because we're in a unique situation to where we have condo oversight. Yes, these are all the things that people are going to have to think about. You have to be nimble right now. You have to be innovative. You have to be creative. And I would also say that, especially in Madison, uh, Madison is a community that comes together in times of crisis. We're, we're seeing that right now with the protests. All of us experienced it with COVID-19. Um, our loyal customers, fans, whatever, you know, our ambassadors um, have, they were very generous and they continue to be generous. I mean, some of these people have kind of adopted us as, as part of their family and they've had every meal with us. And so that's been awesome. What got us there was being community focused. And so people saw what we were doing for the community and said, "Okay, now it's time for you to receive. You've given, now we want to give back to you." The people that were stingy and had a, you know, that what you would call a poverty mentality instead of a abundance mentality, you know, those people are going to be the ones that go out of business. Um but the ones with the abundance mentality that that gave and and gave back to the community and responded you know, they're the ones that are going to, people will remember those things. And when you're down, they're going to be the first ones to help you back up. And so, um, I think that's one thing that I've noticed is that right now I'm in a seat in this, in the receiver seat. And so it's been humbling. And, you know, as a giver, it's hard to receive, but you have to realize that, you know, this is a season where you need, the help of others and so yes collaboration is going to be huge going forward and ghost kitchens things like that are definitely going to be a part of that mix
2: i think that's a great place to share some final thoughts and i, I think lance kind of took my final thought there um that i was i was planning to share i'm glad he did because he articulated it a lot better than i could this is a very trying time all of members of our community and business owners on top of it have to deal with the. Tribulations and trials of COVID 19. I do think um, that having food it brings people together, and yeah. especially in Madison, where we have a lot of restaurants per capita, it really becomes the heart of this city. And uh, it's not something I think that we want to change because it does change the face, the demographics of uh, our community and city. And so um, it's hard, Lance. It's definitely hard to ask for for that help when, when you are a giver. I think that is on us as patrons of, of restaurants to make that offer and step out and show our support as well too um, and do what we can to keep this piece and of the community really alive. And so I, I guess my final thought would be an ask to our audience and others to um, really think what you can do and make that step to support our restaurants, because it, they have enough going on, it may be hard for them to ask.
3: Yeah, I would just ask um, everyone listening, when you're on a road trip, and you see, you know, the signs, the exit signs that say, you know, restaurants at this exit coming up in this city, you'll notice that it's always the corporate restaurant. And so every city looks alike, and we have an opportunity, and we've had an opportunity to have a city that has a large, local presence, um, great food options owned by family owned businesses. And I would just ask, do you want to have a city that the only thing left is all the chain restaurants? And so if the answer is no, then support, support these local restaurants.
1: And Lance, we, we appreciate those final thoughts. So thank you for joining our podcast. And again, we just want to say that support your local restaurants, um, local businesses, Thank you again for listening to three guys talk about stuff they love, and we will talk to you guys next time.
0: Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, Please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.